What's going on, B? How you doing, man? Man, I'm blessed. Blessed like my man Billy Osbrooks. Yeah. Blessed and unstoppable. Blessed and unstoppable. Man. Blessed and unstoppable. Absolutely. Man, thank you for joining the Buy the Block podcast with Brian Chavis. I'm Nathan Johnson, and we're here to teach you how to buy it, rent it, profit. Um, B, once again, man, always a pleasure having you in the studio, brother. Man, it's always good to be here, man. It's just, just blessed to be here, brother. Blessed Absolutely. to be here. Man, I wanted to talk about some current affairs. So I'm hearing a lot of things like um, about rent control. Um, we've we've seen it happen in California, and we're starting to hear you know rumblings of it here. Um, love for you to give us your take on rent control, where you see it's heading, and like how does that affect property managers and and asset managers overall? Yeah, um, and like you, obviously, you know that's the hot topic, and uh, you know I, I see it. I mean, first got introduced to it in the New York markets, you know, out in California. Yep. Uh, you know, because Florida is a vastly growing market, I mean, you can just look at the statistics. Um, you know, unfortunately, that's something that, you know, it's it's going to be looked at. Yep. You hear murmurings in the St. Pete area where I'm at where, you know, they want to introduce legislation, um, you know, uh, to address, you know, affordable housing. Right. You know, um, I need more information, of course. So I kind of sit back and listen. Yep. And 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 you know, and I and I and, and I and I and I kind of, you know, uh, survey the the landscape. Right. But right now, my knee jerk reaction is, you know, it's 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 not good. Mm. Um, not as from the investor standpoint. Correct. You know, from from an individual that's you know that's, you know, um, you know, in need of, of of housing in these urban core market areas. Uh, you know, it, 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 it pans out for them. The problem that I foresee is if you pass such legislation, investors like myself are going to go elsewhere and who's going to step up. Mm. And clearly, I mean, people can say, well, yeah, you know, that's what the housing authorities are for affordable housing. And a lot of them, you know, are not, you know, may enter the private sector may offer, you know, uh, a project that offers, you know, affordable housing or whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, but for the most part, you know, a lot of them don't do it well. Right. And it's the private money. It's the, it's the, it's the equity firms. It's the small private operators, you know, that are going out here buying property. And, 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 and uh, you know, if you tie their hands, I mean, I think, you know, if you don't have, uh, if you just simply come across and say, hey, listen, we're going to blanket you with, uh, rent control and you cannot charge anything over X. Right. You're going to, you know, you're going to eliminate a lot of the, uh, a lot of the investors like myself. And then what are you going to replace them with? So I think a lot of people, you know, what you have to do is you got to think through this. Um, and for me, it's like, I can offer affordable housing in downtown St. Pete. Give me a, give me, you know, give me a better alternative on my taxes. Right. You know, I'm paying 31,000 and I would pay more if I didn't pay on time, but you know, cause I'm paying in November, I get a 4% break. But, you know, you want me to offer, you know, more of an affordable solution, then you got to come up with some, you know, offer me a better alternative on my, on my, on my tax bill. And I can offer you some affordable housing. The reason, one of the main reasons why, you know, you have, I have to push rents is because of, of, of what I'm paying property taxes wise, utilities, the cost of doing business goes up. So, you know, at the end of the day, you know, 
I can hear people jumping in and 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 and, and the city council and everybody chiming in and, and offering their two cents. But, you know, if they're not an investor themselves, it's kind of hard to just say, hey, listen, you know, investors, you guys need to stop raising your rents. Well, stop raising my property taxes. That you makes know? sense. So. So, I mean, we we were in a scenario. But but yeah, but think but, but I, to expand on, I yeah. understand why you have to raise property taxes. But, you know, offer if you want to rent control, offer some sort of incentive right. on, you know, if I say, hey, listen, you know, not just a not just a blanket proposal to you know cut rents at a certain point where you can't charge anything over a thousand dollars for a studio right. you know i would that to me that's a no because you're going to push everybody out of the market and, right. and it's just going to cause it's you're going to cause more you know um there's going to be more i don't really think you understand exactly what you're doing when you when you when you open that box right. pandora's box uh as far as the repercussions of not having investors come in private money coming in or these individuals such as myself coming in and entering into the marketplace. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to have a plan. Uh, and I, and I don't think I haven't heard anything like, you know, what, what the, what the plan would be because again, a lot of individuals are not raising the rents because of greed and, and, right. and, and, and profits. And sometimes that's, that's a part of it, you know, and if, that's why we're getting into this business to be able to raise rents, but you also don't want occupancy to suffer. Okay. So, at the same time, you know, yes, I'm raising rents, but I'm only raising it according to what the market is allowing me to do. Right. So, you know, I'm not raising rents because, you know, uh, I said the other video, you know, King Solomon says an empty stable stays clean, but there's no income in empty stables. I can raise rents, but if I'm not, if I'm not, you know, leasing these units up, I can raise rents all I want. I'm only really raising rents according to what the market bears. Right. So for me, it's like, you know, if the market bears and people are paying, if I bumped them up from seven fifty all the way up to a thousand dollars, and my occupancy is not really dropping, and I notice that when I'm looking at my rent rolls, or and I'm looking at the units that are vacant and how long they're sitting on the on the market, if I'm, you know, if it goes from three days to seven days, you know, that's something that I can live with to get an extra eighty ninety dollars, you know, income. That's right. something that I can live with when you look at the loss to lease. Uh, you know, by it sitting and how much money you're losing by it sitting vacant while you're marketing the unit. Um, I can live with that. You know, if I'm getting a thousand eleven hundred dollars and I'm and it's only sitting an extra, you know, seven days or so, right. something I can live with. But again, the point is that I'm only pushing the rents to where the market can, you know. So if the market doesn't, you know, if 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 if, if I can't. If the market doesn't bear it, then I wouldn't receive it. I wouldn't right. be able to, to to offer those rents. So obviously the market can can handle that. So, um, you know, and so what I'm thinking about is a, is a downturn in the market and what would affect. But, of course, being in the core market, you know, it insulates me. You're not going to see the high returns, but you're going to see the efficiency of the, of, the, of the investment. And you're going to see a lot of insulation from the volatility that you may see in other projects. So. Yeah. You know, yeah, that that that's kind of you know, it's 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 yeah. vague rent control. It's to me, it's a negative because you haven't really thought through the process. But you know, like I said, if you really want to, you know, uh, to enact some sort of rent control, I think it would be wise to talk right. about how you can help the investors make money. So you look or not make money, but um, you know, you, you look at you know things like property taxes and right. being able to offer incentives if you offer a certain percentage you know, uh, to workforce housing, there's things that we can do, come to the table and, and have conversations to where we can actually offer some sort of solution and offer some sort of, um, affordable workforce housing, 
right in these core markets and uh you know but it's a give and take right i i see um some of the so you know we're looking at a deal right now um one of the investors came back and said you know the returns look a little low Mm -hmm. so when we're looking at um these you know 10 percent returns higher you know so on and so forth and you're putting together these seven to 10 year projections is that something that people should yeah. factor in as well? You know, yeah, so, so yeah, I'm, you, I'm ready you, to you, jump into this you, conversation. You've, you've got you've got this whole projection. I'm going to get you 10 percent, <laughs> right? Right. And then all of a sudden, you get slapped with rent control, and yeah. that just out the window. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and again, you know, I'm not going to speak. You know, rent control, and again, you know, it's just too early. Yeah. Uh, we see what's going on in California. Like I said, I think it's a negative because it's a positive for us right, right now because you see a, a flock of it's a negative and a positive right. because you see a flock of investors coming into this market looking for deals now being forced out of Cali and forced out of New York. So now they're looking at the Florida markets, but what's your, what's your take on it? So, I mean, yeah, I can get higher returns to 6.8 low. And yeah. And this is where I was getting excited to jump in is because, um, yeah, this is true. You can get higher returns, but you got to understand when you're looking at higher cap rates and higher cash on cash returns, you typically, when it comes to multifamily, you're looking at, more risk, mm-hmm. a more riskier investment. So when an investor says, yeah, Brian, those investments look kind of low. Yeah, but you're in a core market. It's a negative if I was in, you know, people who may not understand, yep. you know, geography, like location, what we're talking about. If I was to look in a you know, middle income or modern income or look in a lower income neighborhood yep. and I was going to get a 6% return, then yeah, then that's, to me, that, that that's something that I would walk away from. But if you're going to give me a 6 the 7% return in a core market, like a downtown St. Peter, downtown Tampa, that's something I'm going to strongly look at because I understand the appreciable value on the back end. Okay. I know you don't from real estate, they teach you never look at appreciation, but to be honest with you, we do. Right. I know I do. Yeah. I look at where I feel like, you know, when it comes time for the disposition of the property, where we're going to be at, i.e. the exit cap. Right. Uh, You know, I mean... You can you have to look at that. You have to look at being in a core market and the and the asset being more uh, appreciable. And then you also look at for the fact that you're in a market that is going to be flexible okay. and allow you um, such luxuries as not to be so volatile to economic changes or softening of the economy. Mm. So for me, downtown St. Pete, you know, you might see a smaller return. But you're seeing a much more efficient return, and you're seeing, for me, you know, um, the six percent you're paying you you you're, you're paying a premium for getting a less volatile asset. Okay. So the, you know, what I mean, it's yeah. you're paying a premium. You right. know, so I wouldn't. I don't necessarily look at that six percent as a negative. Absolutely I look at not. it as a positive. You know, I'm in a core market. I'm going to get paid as an investor. You know, I'm looking at the long. You know, I'm looking at the motion picture right. and not just a Polaroid snapshot of the investment. Right. In the long run, this investment is going to do and pay dividends for me because I'm, uh, you know, I'm if I'm well managed and well operated, uh, I'm in a core market that insulates me from a lot of the volatility that you may see with a lot of these assets and a lot of these markets that uh, that 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 are that are, are showing higher ret- <coughs> excuse me higher returns. Right, <clears throat> but. Uh, you know, maybe subject to, uh, you know, during an economic downturn or softening, maybe subject to uh, higher vacancies, softening of rents, things of that nature. Hey, no, that makes sense, man. And um, I mean, to me, it seems like, you know, based on what I've learned working with you, um, you know, some of the 10% offers, that's more of an educated guess. And, you know, well, it's all an educated yeah. guess, too, yeah. Nate. I mean, even my 6% return, right, right. 
you know, it's an educated guess. I'm not banking on what I'm saying is bank on my ability to operate the Correct. property. Okay. Okay. And bank on the market, bank on the, 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 uh, the ecosystem right. that is downtown St. Pete bank on the fundamentals that you see that the employment is uh, highest fiscal rating yep. for a municipality, all the employment, the schools, the jobs are, you know, uh, all children's hospital, St. Joseph's, yep. USF, uh, uh, St. Petersburg College, yep. you know, banking on all, the, you know, the, the the retail right shops, you know, all of all of what downtown St. Pete has to offer. That's what I'm asking. That's what you're paying for. That's what you're paying a premium for. Right. I love it, man. And if and, and yes. I'll add, yeah. and if you're an investor looking for a 10 percent return, be smart. Right. With your portfolio, be smart with your money. Put money into a six, seven percent multifamily, which you know over the long run and historically is going to give you a return. May not give you that home run, right? But brother, get you a couple of singles, get some men on base, okay. And if you want to do a more aggressive and you want to get more aggressive returns, you know, which much more riskier investments, then you know, have a portion where you can play a little bit and 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 participate in a little bit. In what, Risk your investment, but you need a back in a portion of your 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 your, uh, your money, your capital, right. into solid investments. Uh, and those solid investments are typically not going to give you the higher returns, but they're solid. They'll be there for you. You know, they're they're a uh, you know they're a, they're right. they're old faithful. Hey, old faithful. Speaking of faithful and and you know getting the best deal. Um, I want to I want to take you through, or I want you to take us through your book, Buy It, Rent It, Profit, chapter the Bible, chapter three. <laughs> um, there's a section in here uh, that says getting a good deal, and it starts on page thirty. So uh, as you guys are following the podcast, you know, we encourage you to go into your your local bookstore and pick up Buy It, Rent It, Profit. Um, this is a really cool area, man. Um, talking about getting a good deal. Um, I want to take you through some of these and explain in your own terms what do these mean to you. So you know, you're talking about you know, targeting the net operating income of the property, uh, middle income demographic, targeting the correct unit mix. What is your philosophy on getting a good deal? What should people be looking at in your own terms? I mean, that's a good question. You know, for me, it starts with the demographics and psychographics of my prospect tenant. Okay. Not so much the building or the deal. Right. So I really want to understand who downtown St. Petersburg is. Who, who are the individuals in downtown St. Pete? What's their demographic makeup and psychographic makeup? Demographics tells me who they are. Mm. Psychographics tells me the why, why they make certain decisions. So once I kind of really understand who the individuals are in downtown St. Pete, yep. then I find a product that fits those needs. And then, you know, obviously you back in, you know, your return, you, you know, then, then you, you, you work from the, you work from the top to the, you know, from the top. Okay. Does that make sense? You work from yeah. the, uh, from the top down. Right. And so uh, until you get to your bottom line and your numbers and your returns, and then, you know, as a general partner or a syndicator, then you'd be able to look at a deal and say, this is what I feel like I can get the returns at a six, 7% in this downtown market. Then you look at from a, you know, from a, a, a general partner standpoint, how you will, what percentage you'll take, what percentage you're going to offer a pref to your, your investors. Obviously you just said 6%. So what does that waterfall structure look like on the back end? Cause ideally if you offer six, you probably feel like you can get seven or eight. Right. So, you know, on the back end during your waterfall structure. So what does your what do your fees look like as a sponsor? So you begin to back in all that and then that's how you create your waterfall structure as a 
as a general partner, but a lot of what you're doing and a lot of the homework that goes into this for the due diligence, right. you know, cause there's several, everyone speaks due diligence, but you know, not too many people get into the layers of due diligence. Right. It's granular, you know, it's granular. So there's many different aspects of due diligence. There's due diligence on the actual target market okay. area. There's due, what we call CODA, strategic evaluation of target area. That's yep. a form of due diligence. There's two forms of due diligence when it comes to the actual property itself. Okay. There's the uh, uh, what we call, or I call the forensic audit, which is going through all the accounting aspects. Um, you know, the, the T12s, T3s, you know, matching leases to what's actually in the uh, bank account, so on and so forth, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. Right. And then, um, you know, and then you're looking at physical, which is, you know, the maintenance and things of that nature and looking at the property and, 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 and having your maintenance and your contractors walk the property to give you an idea of what you're actually inheriting. Right. Because everything looks good. You know, I'm looking at a deal right now, downtown St. Pete, and they're slapping paint on the, on the we went to walk the properties and we see the guys, you know, putting paint. And, you know, really putting lipstick on the pig. Exactly. You know, so everybody's going to try to dress the thing up and throw it out there. You know, so you really got to know what are you buying. You know, you'll see Joe in the video go through and say, Brian, look, there, you know, this this is siding. This right. is, you know, I mean, look behind, look under the siding. So, yep. you know, when you're you know, doing your homework, having your contractors walk the property, having your maintenance technicians walk the property, that's a, that's a form of due diligence. We have that in a spreadsheet. I, I shot a few Facebook right. videos where I'm going through and showing everybody, and I'll do it again. But... You know, it's so it's it's various levels of due diligence, but for me, that's really what it is. Is I'm trying to figure out who my prospect tenant is, and then I try to find a uh, a product that fits, and i.e. the product. You know, as a private equity firm that deals with multifamily, my right. product is apartment buildings. Right. So to try to find an apartment building that fits that need, and then you have various challenges. The challenge in downtown St. Pete was there's not too many apartment buildings, two, three hundred, you know, four hundred unit apartment buildings in downtown St. Pete. Uh, not, you know, that's not class A new construction. So you have to find these smaller deals and piece them together and create your portfolio that way. So it's a little, you know, that offers challenges in in itself because some of the product, you know, not all of the product is like Park Plaza. Um you know, not all, everything's concrete block garden style. I wish right. it was. Right. You know, a lot of this stuff we're looking at, you know, is wood framed, offers a whole set of different challenges. So now it's mm -hmm. like, you know, what is your criteria now? A lot of people would shy away from that, and I understand that. But my play is more so on the land and and where the property is located. So you know, it's there's you know there's reasoning behind what what it is I'm doing, what what you know what I'm offering. Excellent. And then, as far as um, putting together the the right team. Um, you you talk about how important the right team is. What are some of the team members that you put in place when you're trying to go after a good deal? What are some of the pieces that you you have that you bring to the table? Yeah, <clears throat> you know, and I'll say say this all the time. You've heard me say it. Yep. Probably gonna you know you can say it right now. Absolutely. You know what I'm gonna say. If you're the smartest person on your team, your team is in trouble. Right. So at the end of the day, it's just really building that team. And uh, for me, that team consists of, you know, some a few underwriters, junior underwriting and senior underwriting. Yes, I can underwrite, you know. Right. But I'm not, I don't want to spend my time underwriting, you know. So it goes to junior and senior. Then it comes to me and I look and, and you know, and I, and, I, and I mock it up. And, I, you know, sometimes I go back and forth with these guys. Um, but I like it because it's given me an objective view. 
uh, you know, and a lot of them are not from this market. So I know I'm getting a, a view based on numbers and, and they keep me humbled. Right. And they keep me focused. Um, so you have your underwriters. Then you have your project manager who's really important, you know, like especially in, with these projects in downtown St. Mm-hmm. Pete that require a lot of rehab, you know, to be able to stay on top of permitting and understanding, you know, how to put the contractors together. So, you know, our guy, Joe, is, you know, has a, a vast amount of experience in flipping houses and working with contractors and things of that nature. So, you know, it, you know, having a, a project coordinator on your team, great maintenance guys, uh, your maintenance technician, your contractor. I'm going to lean heavily on one of the guys that are in our multifamily matrix coaching and consulting group, uh, Carlos Henry out of Tallahassee. He's a licensed contractor, licensed roofer, Excellent. bringing him in, you know, um, giving, you know, and then getting a report back to him. So, you know, having a team, you know, is, is, is extremely important, uh, you know, and then, you know, f- you know, for those who are listening on the podcast, a lot of people will be like, man, I, you know, how do I get a team, you know, um, for us, you know, that's kind of why we do this podcast and why we do a lot of the education and training because, you know, my team is there is, is anyone who's a part of our, our, our multifamily matrix, these individuals become a part of their team as well. So, you know, our resources are their resources. So, um, and then the attorneys, you know, we're going to be using Paul and Adam Vincent. Uh, you know, you can see them. They're very active on social media. Uh, really good guys, you know. And at the end of the day, you got, you know, everybody on your team, you know. Uh, you, know you, you know, for the most part, I'm fortunate that we all like each other and, and, and respect each other. Exactly. Uh, but not always needing to be the case. I played, you know, on plenty of sporting teams where right. not everybody liked each other, but we came together for a common good. Right. So I don't necessarily have to like you for you to be on the team. I mean, of course, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you want to do business with folks that you uh, that you admire and folks that you, uh, you know, you know that, that have the same vision. But sometimes you're not going to have people um, that play these skilled roles um, for a season in your investment um, that may, that, you know, hopefully everybody shares the same values. You're going to want to work with contractors and vendors that are, that are, that, that have a value system in place. But like I said, you know, you may not mesh with everyone. You may not want to go out to, to have drinks or dinner and make families and, you know, enjoy each other's company. And that's really, you know, for me, that it's, that's not always what it's about. I understand that we come together for a common goal. Right. And, uh, you know, as long as we show up on game day and we all know what our jobs are and we perform those jobs and those duties, you know, that's the most important thing for me. Hey, no, I, I love it, man. Thank you for always dropping these uh, these gems of wisdom, man. And, um, you know, I look forward to uh, just continually speaking with you, man. And, um, you know, once again, guys, all these resources can be found on brianchavis.com. So we don't just talk about it. You know, we do add all these resources to our website. So as you're looking to, you know, grow your knowledge in rental investing, uh, grow your portfolio, you can go to brianchavis.com. You'll be able to follow us, get all the resources, get coaching and training, and then also be a part of our new program, Multifamily Matrix. That thing is just getting better and better each week. Um, so, you know, once again, Brian, man, thank you so much for uh, for all your wisdom. Absolutely. And uh, look forward to speaking with you next week, man. Yeah, we'll see you next week. And hopefully by the time this, I'm not sure when this will air, but, you know, I will be live at the TB Rhea event um, on a on a panel of experts. So if you want to come out and meet me, and uh, you know if you bring the book, we'll do a book signing. But we'll be at the uh, the uh, this month's main meeting uh, for Tampa Bay Rhea. So um, definitely go out, check them out on their website. Um, you know they always have great speakers, but uh, I'll definitely be there uh, this this month in the month of November. So we'll see you there. It's a chance to get us live. Yep. Cause I, our meetup, our meetup and our social apartment, social event, 
uh, won't be happening until January. And then also, if you don't mind, Nate, I want to just drop our conference that we're coming, you know, that we'll be doing. Guys, you know, big news is that we'll be bringing a certification conference to where you're going to come and get certified for apartment underwriting, property management, and asset management. Uh, we're, you know, we're going to give our designation at, at this time, we're going to be performing our Chris designations, which is certified rental investment specialist designation. Um, we're going to be holding this conference, uh, the first of, uh, of, of 2020 first quarter of 2020 date will be announced, but it's going to be a conference like no other. Cause this is a place where, you know, you know, it's unlike, you know, a boot camp. it's going to be, you're going to come here and get education training. If you're a licensed real estate professional or broker, Come get your CE credits, eight hours of CE. Um, so, you, you know, our event will offer CE credits. We're going to have three hours of training. We're going to have some of the best uh, minds in the multifamily business as guest speakers. We're going to also have tons of uh, a lot of the, the people we work with behind the scenes, Buildium, uh, Rent-A-Meter. I mean, there's a ton of people that we're going to be bringing that are going to be guest speaking. We're going to have exactly. a couple of people coming in, guest speaking about best practices for underwriting uh, yeah, we're going to have a ton of people, Airbnb, you know, we'll have a, a few guests coming in and speaking about Airbnb and, you know, best practices, so on and so forth. But anything that encompasses multifamily housing, uh, we're going to have, you know, some of the top mind CEOs as well on our panel of experts. And, uh, it's just going to be a great event. Come out, get trained and, uh, yeah, we'll see you guys there. So just keep that in mind in 2020, the event is called buy it, rent it, profit live. You can hear all you can hear more about that at brianchavis.com. Uh, just go to brianchavis.com and you'll be able to get up on all the information about the upcoming events. And uh, once again, Brian, I'm excited for the event coming up, man. And uh, definitely always a pleasure speaking with you in the studio, brother. Thanks for having me. Man. All right, my man. Take care. See you soon.